Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. Just a quick note to say that this episode with Joe was recorded on Tuesday, the 6th of August, 2019, and is released the following Sunday. So if any surprising driver transfer announcements have been made between that time obviously we'll have missed it but hopefully you can still enjoy the show and do consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash missed apex enjoy the show with joe you're listening to inside f1 with joe sayward on missed apex podcast we live f1 Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Saywood, part of the Missed Apex podcast, Motorsport Network. I'm Spanners, the host and producer of Missed Apex. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. And the thing we're all about on Missed Apex F1, Inside F1, is speaking to paddock legend Joe Saywood. How's it going, Joe? Yeah, very good. Very good. I just got back from wherever it was yesterday. Uh, Budapest, that's right. So I've been home for at least uh, 23 and a half hours. So of which some of it I, t- I spent asleep, I have to say. Are you winding down for summer now? Do you switch off? Are you a screensaver over the summer break? I am not doing anything at all over the summer break. So I've written my last green notebook, which is up there now. And I don't intend to do anything else unless I feel the need to sort of tweet occasionally if I get bored. But I'm not intending to. I'm going to have some downtime and use my brain a bit. Why don't you spend that time just responding to the YouTube comments that that uh, that appear underneath these finished videos? Because that's not relaxing. It most certainly isn't, Joe. Uh, speaking of not relaxing, the last two races definitely not relaxing two very different kind of kinds of races the german grand prix uh, 18 stops in the wet hungary a fantastic strategic battle uh, which one entertained you the most um that's a very good question actually i think um 
you can't really compare them, to be quite honest. I mean, I, I love the uh, the strategic battle in Hungary because almost nobody thought it was going to work. And, you know, it was like sort of, what are they doing? They've screwed him up again. Oh, Mercedes are rubbish at strategy. But I'm sitting there going, actually, it might work. I don't know oh, how really? it would work because I'm not clever enough to understand how you, how you can actually um, work out your opponent's degradation rates. But they did and they beat him and it was fantastic. It's just, it seemed to me that the last maybe two or three seasons, the tactic of going on to fresher boots and trying to make up the gap hasn't worked. And it's generally been because we haven't had the cliff, the drop-off cliff. But for whatever reason, they must have seen that Verstappen's tyres were going to go off a performance cliff. Yeah, I mean, and they clearly did. Um, you know, But that wasn't immediately obvious because there were four or five laps when it didn't look like Lewis was making much of a um, an impact. But I think uh, that Max had probably you know, was was pulling the very last out of his tyres at that point. So, you know, it probably looked better than it was. And then he really did go. And it was like sort of four or five laps and it was done. And uh, do you reckon that, that Red Bull are still in the mentality of if we've got a sniff of a win, just crank everything up to 12, 13 and, and don't don't worry about the consequences? Or, or are they going to start thinking, well, hang on a minute, we can actually win quite a few races here. We've got second place in the championship to lose uh, or to potentially gain. So, you know, there's not that all or nothing approach they had in uh, Austria to their engine. Uh, I think I think probably they are fully aware of the fact that they're still not right up there. They might look like it in the last couple of circuits, but there have been very specific circumstances. And I think when we get to Spa and Monza, we'll probably just, they'll only see the back of the Mercedes in the far distance. I would be amazed if they were up with Mercedes, um, unless there's rain or something. And I think Ferrari is going to be strong. I mean, Ferrari has seemed to be absolute rubbish of late. But, you know, I think there's a lot of circuit-specific stuff. And I think at Spa and at Monza, if things remain as they are and often they don't over the summer break because you know people have had time to bring in new upgrades and stuff but fundamentally uh, they should be power dominated circuits mm. and ferrari is the most powerful engine out there in principle they've definitely gone for the high power and uh low drag concept but can can the other teams not make up for that just by stripping off wing or you think Ferrari not still... really because you know there's all kinds of different elements involved there's also low speed punch which is very important at some circuits and not at others and Mercedes has got better punch um than Ferrari does it seems so you know it's it's um there's lots of different things to take into account but I would expect to see Ferrari doing much better Speaking of Ferrari, last season, you were very critical, I think that's fair to say, of their attitude to the press, which was shutting up shop. Yeah, so, so yeah completely. This year, though, you've got a little bit more access, relationships are a little bit better, you've got more of an idea what's going on with them? Yes, I think so. I, I mean, it, it is ridiculous to cut the media out in what is a media business. You know, yes. that is, that is, it's a bit like um, running a car company and saying we don't want car designers. You know, it, it's it, it's... Well, maybe not exactly that, but it is, you know, it's just downright stupid. And it's the sort of thing that happens when you put automotive um, CEOs into motorsport roles because they're never any good at it. Are you talking about Aurelio Bavelli in particular? No, 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 I'm not. I'm talking actually about Sergio Bacchioni. Ah, right. Um, the gentleman at Fiat who died about this time last year. And, and you know, Arriva Bene was just unfortunate. He was the... He was the uh, the lieutenant to this rather strange man who um, 
thought he knew how to do everything and he didn't i mean he basically made a mess of it so so, so now that we have got a relationship and i say we the royal we joe us as a fighting unit right are you getting a sense of uh, the morale at ferrari have they given up on this season no i don't think they have at all i think they're i think what they're doing is they've they, you know they started the season with high hopes probably a little too high i think the winter testing was slightly misleading uh, and I think they probably fell for that. But um, I don't think they're that bad. And I think what they have been doing is there have been a few changes quietly in the background going on, and there are more coming. Um, and I think they're just strengthening the team here and there and making sure it all fits together. Now, at what point do you write off a season? Um, well, they're, they're very unlikely to win the Constructors' Championship, aren't they? To be honest, they're very unlikely to win the other championship as well. So... You know, you might as well, you'll, you'll keep developing because um, it's the logical thing to do. But I don't think there's, I don't know. I mean, I just think they're so far behind. The lead is, you know, the lead is going to be very hard to catch. Isn't Lewis Hamilton now outscoring Ferrari? I think I think that's where we're at. Oh, maybe the last couple of races. Mm. But, uh, you know, it's uh, the, the, one of the things that Ferrari has going for it, weirdly, Um is that uh, the two drivers are both sort of scoring points all the time, whereas, I mean, Mercedes have done very well. And, and you know, Bottas is no slouch, but he's had a few moments, as Lewis, in fact, in Hockenheim, where they didn't score. So, you know, these things happen, but it happens more often to Bottas. Hey, Joe, do you mind if I take a, a little diversion and uh, and talk about... Um and talk about some of your, your media life? Because I've just been speaking to one of your young protégés, Chris Medland, who was on the uh, Netflix series and does some of the driver press conferences and stuff. Uh, he was talking about how uh, you gave him quite a lot of advice and gave him a, a heads up and, and got him writing articles for you when he first started in the paddock. You know, is that something you do regularly for, for kids coming through? Mm, yeah, if we, if we think they're good, um, yes, is the answer. But, you know, you, they have to be quite. You know, they have to be good. It's no good sending me <laughs> stuff that's not good. You know, I get people sending me things like which read like abbreviated notes, and you know, it's it's. I know that pe- people can't actually do more than two sentences at, at a time these days. But you know, if people are good and they come along, and I think the most important thing is you you have to go to the races and prove that you're willing to put it out there and that we 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 tend to help anyone who's going to lots of races if we can because you know they are really going for it they're putting their they're putting themselves on the line because they're not getting paid to do it i mean some of them may have rich parents whatever that's not the point um the the point is that they're out there doing it and the ones who don't have rich parents we have more time for to be honest how how can you tell do you do a a means tested if they look hungry you go, ah, you look like you haven't had a good meal. No, you, but you can tell from the way they travel about and, and the way they do things that, you know, there's there's money behind them, you know. Also, the attitude also is a little bit like that. But, you know, when I started out, I was going from race to race with a tent and, and a typewriter in those days, and, and I was really struggling and, and starving and stuff like that. And so when you see that kind of enthusiasm, you know, that these are people who are going to make it if they can. They can't all make it. I suppose but, uh, when you're talking about people who perhaps have some some help, uh, there might be a sense of entitlement or ego. And I have to say, just from a, a half hour conversation with Chris, there is not a drip of ego. That is just somebody who is just fully enjoying their time and and the experience of being an F1 journalist. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that entirely. Chris is completely down to earth, actually self-deprecating to a to a <laughs> remarkable extent, which I quite like as well. Um, I mean, occasionally it, it's not a bad idea to 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 blow your own trumpet, but um, I don't know. I just perhaps we should do it more. We've seen some very good examples over time of journalists who've blown their own trumpet a lot, and, and people start believing it. Um, and even if they are complete nonces, which quite a lot of them are, and um, and you know it can lead to other things not normally they don't normally stay in journalism necessarily but they can get other jobs because they just tell everybody they're brilliant and after a while either because they're really boring people sort of say okay yeah right well we'll <laughs> give you a job or something or just go away please leave us alone kind of, i don't know but there are people who have who have um done amazing amounts of self-publicity and gone on in the business i maybe that's true in other businesses as well i don't know i won't name names because it would be indiscreet but. okay well the next question is just name the top three people who would fit that description fine 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 <laughs> we won't push any further on that uh, the reason i wanted to kind of switch that over to journalism is we had a fantastic question on uh, twitter if you're aware of uh, that there twitter joe somewhat sometimes hangs out on there at joe saywood and we had a question from you from hallie on gaming who said joe what would you consider the best scoop of your career the one you got before anyone else and uh, well you think about that because i was just asking our last interviewer you know the delicate balance when you're sitting on a scoop and sometimes you know that you have to you're gonna have to let it go and or that somebody's gonna get in there before you because you can't say it for whatever reason and you know just that balancing Mm. act is is quite a political game yeah, it's a good one, actually. I mean, I've done a few over time, so um, it's quite hard to think. I think Honda pulling out of Formula One uh, after the Senna era was a pretty good one. I was happy with that one. Um, scooped the world on that one. Uh, did, did people um, believe the you? The Dutch or Grand they? Prix recently, to be honest, I, I pretty much outscooped the Dutch, which was actually made me quite happy. I mean, they were all they were all ru- rumoring it frantically, but I just sort of said, no, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, definitely it's going to happen on this date, and... Thus far, I have not been proved wrong. Well, certainly since I've been intently following every word you say, because you're, you know, you're now a shed dweller as well. Uh, you, <laughs> the reaction when you come out with something like that is is vitriolic. Like people will really go, "Ah, oh, Sayward, he's rubbish. He doesn't know what he's talking about." And then you get that little moment of, "But yeah, you're, you're right more than you're wrong." Well, there was one last year actually when I was on Sky. In uh, I did a Sky show one time in the summer. And I said, they said, who's going to be, where's Carlos Sainz going to be? And I said, McLaren. And they all looked <laughs> yes, at me and I, I was completely mad. And astonished looks going, what, why do you say that? So that's what's going to happen. Just wait and see. And it did. So, I mean, sometimes we, we do get it wrong from time to time. Um, I get it wrong um, a little bit more, perhaps, because I tend to be flying out there on the edge more. You know, if you fly out on the edge, you tend to get it wrong more. Uh, sometimes you're right when you write it and it changes, uh, which is annoying. Um, it's a bit like the Spanish Grand Prix suddenly making a comeback. You know, Chase Carey said, we're only going to have 21 races. And he didn't say that the Spanish Grand Prix was off, but we all knew it was the Spanish Grand Prix and the German Grand Prix. And then suddenly the Spaniards have come up with a pile more money and they're back on again. So next year we have 22 races. Mark my words. Oh, oh and, I've, hello. and I've published a calendar actually on the latest Joe Saywood's notebook. And I think it's pretty correct. But... You know, nobody's going to actually confirm it as yet. Um, 
because they don't do that sort of stuff. Okay, well, let's just get the timeline on that because, you know, I, I also have my grubby hands on a on a calendar that doesn't include Spain. Was Spain fully off at one point? And then- oh, completely yeah. off. Yes, it was gone. It was gone. And it, this is only a one-off race. This is a deal oh, right. for one year. Um, so, you know, they're not, they, they know they're not going to get back indefinitely, but they've done a deal for one year and I think they're working on it. Well, I think they had to do a deal for one year because they couldn't raise the money from the from the government um, of Catalonia for more than that because the biggest problem with the Spanish Grand Prix is it's tap- it takes place in Catalonia. And if anyone follows the news around here, Catalonia and Spain have been in a terrible mess for the last three years over the question of independence because Catalonia wants to be independent. So why would you have a Spanish Grand Prix in Catalonia? You know, so you'd have a Catalan Grand Prix perhaps, but um, it's all a big mess and, and, and raising the money. In fact, that's affecting the government in Spain. So I think they're still trying to form a government after about four months trying. So, um, you know, there are things that real world politics do influence in Formula One. Um, and we have to pay attention to that sort of stuff, which is why I know about the political situation in Spain. Well, I can I can pose to you some political questions that people are coming up with, even though I myself don't have any political opinions and barely follow it. So I'm, I'm pretty neutral on anything that might come up uh, for the for the rest <laughs> of this uh, conversation. But Joe, it's not just a conversation with you and me. It's a conversation with everybody in the live chat. They've all shuffled into the shed by going to YouTube and searching for Missed Apex Podcast. Uh, subscribe there, click the little bell, get a notification when we go live, when we surprise you at 4pm, because we didn't quite know when we were going to go live. Um, but you can chat along, so you can certainly influence what we're talking about on this show and uh, during the race reviews we have up to 600 of you at a time coming and joining us and it really makes the show for me uh, people are asking about the calendar socialist says how would liberty squeeze 24 races in joe i mean 22 that feels like a, a lot now you know we were we were talking 18 19 a couple of years ago and it, it's only going up yeah it is and i don't know the answer to that well the answer is more back to backs probably uh, what, if you look at the calendar that's out for next, well, <clears throat> that, that may be the right one for next year, um, you'll see that there are a number of things where you say, well, why is that, for example, why would you have that as being a, um, a, a completely apart from everything else? One of the reasons for that is the fact that races, uh, new races, need to need to try out and see if all their bureaucracy works. So Vietnam is on its own because you can't allow you can't take the risk of some little customs man who doesn't know how it works you know asking people to fill in forms when they when the truck needs to leave you know this kind of stuff in the case of of the dutch grand prix um they've put the dutch grand prix or i think they will put the dutch grand prix it will have a a lead time of two weeks in front of it and that one week after it because they've only got to get to spain so that you know and there's the european union um is is fine. You can just drive through it without any of that sort of lark. Now, you will notice that the British Grand Prix is by itself next year, and that is for a very good reason, because there are some lunatics uh, in number 10 Downing Street who think that they might want to leave Europe, and if they do that, the British Grand Prix would be impacted oh. probably. Um, and so, you know, that has to be put there. You can't put it back to back with something. Now, in a, in a few years' time, when the lunatics have left the asylum, perhaps... And, and we're still in Europe, then perhaps Britain will go back to back with things. But in the meantime, they can't take that risk. 
Cool. Wish I had an opinion on any of that. Cause that would be that would I'd be on a sticky wicket though, wouldn't I? So it's a good job I mm. I don't I don't really understand what's going on. So uh, and I don't mind either way. Both seem equally sane and rational as far as uh, anyone knows. I think. Yeah. Well, whatever. I, I'm quite clear on my views on the subject, which is those people in 10 Downing Street should be put on a boat and taken out to sea. Those are the <laughs> but, opinions uh, of Joe Sayward and not of Mr. Apex <laughs> Podcast or any of its affiliate podcast networks. Subscribe to the show. I didn't say open the plug hole, did I? I just said taken out to sea. Does, uh, Joe be Joe-in. Joe, you Joe the way you Joe. Uh, hey, Joe, before we talk more calendar stuff, because there might be some more political things coming up, uh, I just want to say... A special shout out to Steve Watterson, who is having a rough time in hospital at the moment. Uh, and he, he's there. He's, he's sort of bedded up and uh, he's, he's not totally sure what's wrong, but his morale is low. Uh, he's just started feeling a little better lately. But we just want to wish you all the best here at Mr. Apex Podcast. Steve, get well soon. Kadar, Kadar Nath in Twitter, in Twitterland, uh, asked about Saudi Arabia. Yeah. You were probably yeah. aware this was going to come up. Just to continue his question, really, I think the feeling is from a lot of people that, hang on a minute, this is a little bit Bernie-ish from Liberty. And they weren't expecting this from Liberty. And it's not unfair it's, to say it's hang a on, con- hang, on, hang on, just because it's appeared in the Times this week, it's been going on for months. I okay. wrote about it in my, in my uh, Insider newsletter probably three months ago. They're making, you know, they're talking. Saudi Arabia has a problem. Saudi Arabia is now, apart from Donald Trump, who loves them and sells them arms, um, you know, the country has a problem for uh, the, the man who runs it is not necessarily a very desirable person, or so it appears to the outside world. So they need to uh, make the world think better of them. Since they, in order to do that, they threw a huge amount of money at Formula E, and Formula E went, thank you very much, with its big hat full of money and went there. Uh, and in fact, the hat of money is so big that it's probably paying for most of the rest of the series to survive. It's that big a hat. So it's entirely logical that Formula One, which is a commercial operation, should go there if somebody offers them enough money. Now, what the question of how much money it is to make it worthwhile for the downside uh, is another is another issue. But, you know, one has to be realistic about these things. The Americans should be going, now you shouldn't do that, chaps. But because the Saudis have got oil and they buy weapons and all these other things, they're not doing it. So does that make them bad people, the Americans as a whole? Well, that's a matter of opinion, isn't it? So does it does going to Saudi Arabia make a bad impression for Formula One? Maybe. But at the same time, you can argue that having a big Western commercial operation going in there and lightening things up could always help. So um, I'm, I can't say I, I, uh, I'm a great advocate of the Saudi government as is, because I think that's um, rather too unpleasant to do that. But, you know, uh, should, should the sport um, say no to what, can come from that i don't know the answer to that it's not it, it's above my pay grade um and the guys who make those decisions are paid a hell of a lot more money than i am so you know um that's for them to sort out but i can't say i'm very happy about the the concept of linking up with that but you know sometimes we go to places uh, and they have you know we're, we're going to russia putin is not an angel so um and and it's just one of those things. Formula One tries to be above politics. And usually it succeeds in being above politics because um, 
Now, sport is supposed to be a force for unity. Occasionally, you'll have a race, as as happened in Bahrain, where the race becomes a political pawn. And in that case, we shouldn't go to it because you know, we're then being used by uh, the government or by the by the um, the opposition for different purposes. And that's you know. So if it, if the race is a political hot potato, it should be dropped. But if it's not, if it's just trying to sort of um, create unity in the world or whatever sport is supposed to do that's not a bad thing do they have a, a track ready to go no but money is money you know if you have enough of it you can do pretty much whatever you like and if you are let's face it if you are let's say um less than democratic in your approach to things if you want to build a track and there's a little man with a shed with a podcast in, in the middle of nowhere, um, and it's in the way. You just send a bulldozer around, and, and the and the podcast starts from somewhere else. Or no, doesn't, as the case my may be. shed. No. Well, that that is, you know, that's the way of the world. It happens in lots of places. Um, <laughs> happens in lots of places where I'm just going to say, if I've got something here, you see. Yeah. <laughs> that's just a random number plate. I was showing people it, that my it's sign... It's not a random number plate. This is a this is a special number plate. Um, they give them out every year, and I had every single one. And I was going through my garage the other day and found them all, laid them out on the grass, and found I had one missing. And I wrote a little tweet about it, and the very nice people from Bahrain sent me the missing one because I've attended all of them. They thought, why not have a full collection? So I did ask them, do you have one for the race that didn't happen? And they said, actually, no, we didn't have those. So it'd be quite nice to have a full collection if there had really been one. But um, the race that was cancelled because of politics didn't actually get its own number plate. There you go. Okay, so for the audio viewers who don't know why me and Joe just suddenly started talking about number plates, it's because I showed up my little sign, my little wooden sign that said The Shed. And Joe was like, no, I can't let you have your moment. Let me tell you a much more interesting story. Um, Your memorabilia. 080418. That was the missing one. There you go. We can't unlearn that now. Obviously, audio viewers, you viewers, audio (laughs) listeners, you have the option of coming and catching up with certain shows on YouTube. So do check out our content on YouTube. We work hard to make the shed look like a vaguely real thing and also you know you video people as well why not subscribe to the podcast too surely you can't you can't download things enough as far as we're concerned uh joe gp plus magazine grand prix plus magazine um you have a twitter account that seems to have a very different tone to your account it uses full sentences do you have a crew that runs the grand prix plus magazine twitter Mm, no i have a, a, a crew called my wife um, and my wife looks after that because uh, I'm far too busy running around the world. And she comes up with different ideas because she thinks differently to me. And I, I think she does a very good job, to be honest. So um, well, no, we don't have massive departments of people doing things. You know, it's all a bit um, it's all a bit hit and miss, if you like. But we try to give the appearance of being, you know, well, I mean, that professional. Ac- that account's a lot nicer than your personal account, just in pleasant. Obviously, terms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, she's she's more polite than I am, clearly. And I get the odd retweet off that account, just saying. Just saying. Well, she will be delighted to hear it. <laughs> uh, Joe, uh, GP Plus magazine can be bought by searching for Joe Blogs F1 and Flat Out Publishing. That's where to find all your stuff, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think I, last time I, I didn't give the Joe Blogs F1 um, address because it wasn't wasn't working. And to be quite honest, I haven't had a chance to check if it's working again. So, um I think it is, but uh, it was just a particular glitch that day. So I gave out flat-out publishing, which has all the work I do. Uh, and 
flatoutpublishing.com. You can sign up to everything I do. And you can also watch a very nice video about um, iRacing as well. All right. Okay. You, you don't, is this the only video content you put out in general though? This, this YouTube right, video? The only, no, no, I do have, I, I have the right as of now. In yeah. fact, I have one of those funny things here, which has a dongle. What's a dongle? What's the dongle? What's the thing where it whirls around? That one, you know. Selfie stick? No, it's not a selfie stick. It's one of those self-leveling things, you know. Ah, right. Okay. So a, like a pedestal thing. Oh, I'll, I'll pull Tri- it out and show Tripod. You. Tripod. No, it's not a tripod. It's one of those things where you put it in your hand and you walk around with it, and it's and it's got a name, and I can never remember what the name is. Anyway, whatever. Um, I have, I do have the right to to film a certain amount of video content in Formula One in the paddock. Now, it's a new thing which we've negotiated with, uh, we being the uh, uh, the Formula One media. Yeah, it's um, a, it's a gimbal, by the way. I think. Thank you. That is the word I was looking for. Thank yes. you, chat room. I, I have a gimbal-y thing, and the gimbal works very well. The only trouble is that I haven't yet had time to learn how to become a video editor in my spare time. So um, I have a son-in-law who's quite talented in these matters, and if I have the chance, I will sit down with him, and he will point me in the right direction, and then I will start doing it. But for now, I haven't done a lot. I did one on Twitter a while ago, which was a one-shot, no editing thing. But there's a a nice video on uh, on the uh, flat-out publishing my racing which was done by iRacing, but it's all about how um, how it all began. And weirdly, it all began apparently with me. So there we are. You invented iRacing is what I heard. No, no, I didn't. I inspired the man who invented iRacing. I think that seems to be the gist of it. But he was um, he was fascinated by the Nürburgring and the, and the story I wrote about it. All right. Well, more to come. In that case, worth following GP Plus on Instagram to see a flurry, I'm sure, of media content after the summer. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Halfway through. We're halfway through 2019. I I think it's been a fantastic season. I've really enjoyed my F1 this season. Is silly season a little sillier than previous seasons? Are we going to see any driver swaps in the summer? Because some drivers have had the axe hovering over them nearly all season. Well, I I think we're going to see some decisions made. Uh, I think at least one 
will be uh, will be this week, and I think that will be the second Mercedes. Now, whether they announce Ooh. it, I don't know. Yeah, but I think I think judging by what I was here, it's still as far as I know, it's not yet decided. It might be in the heads of the people making the decision, but it seems to be a fight between uh, Valtteri Bottas and Esteban Ocon, and the the bottom line of it is. Uh, if Lewis Hamilton's not there, who would be the best person to to take up and you know lead the team forward? And I think there is an element of thinking in Mercedes that while Valtteri's a very good um, uh, teammate for Lewis, he's not quite on the same level. And I think that's fair. Now, uh, will Esteban be on the same level? We don't know. But the other the other thing to bear in mind is that. If they don't give Esteban a drive, Esteban's not going to stick around with Mercedes anymore. You know, he's 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 done um, he's done his service with them, um, <clears throat> and you know he'll want to go somewhere. He has to go back racing next year. He can't sit out two years. So I, I think everyone else is basically waiting on that. I don't see any changes coming at Ferrari. I don't think Vettel's going to retire. I think. Um, judging by the way he's been talking of late, he's you know, full passionate. At, Get, let's get this thing sorted. Charles is fine. Uh, yeah. Red Bull, they do have a problem uh, with Pierre, but they don't have any need to change anything quickly because it's not going to make much of a difference. Well, well can, I, can I interject? Can you I can just, interject as much as you like. I but, think even if you'd have brought in Kimi Raikkonen as one of our uh, well, tweeters, He's under I know, well. but hang on, I'll find out. I'll find out who made this observation. Uh, let's see. It was Matthew Turner on Twitter who said, "I, I don't think he'd want the job, uh, but would Kimi be a better point scorer than Gasly to bolster Red Bull season um, in their fight with Ferrari? But not just their fight with Ferrari. In the last race, Joe had Gasly been anywhere like on pace, Hamilton would have really struggled to strategize his way past. Yes, that's true, but he wasn't, and you know that's. That is a problem that they have to figure out. But I think the thinking is that, you know, who are you going to put in? Because the danger, you put you put one of the two guys they have in. They've already done it with Danny Kvyat at one time. They know exactly what they're going to get. Uh, they also know that Alexander Albon is, generally speaking, uh, apart from the 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 point scoring thing in, in, in Germany and well, sorry, the podium actually, which was a bit of a, uh, a gamble that went right for Kviat until, until that last bit where Albon couldn't afford to pit because he was running in fourth place. Um, you know, he was going for the best uh, result of his career on a day when he, he'd never driven a formula one car in the wet before. You know, he'd done everything right. It was all going right but he could not take that risk that the others took because he had everything to lose, nothing to gain. The others had everything to gain, nothing to lose. So Stroll and Kviet and Magnussen and whoever the fourth one was, um, Sainz, no, not Sainz, uh, Perez, they all they all took this monster gamble because – that wasn't Perez, no. Anyway, they all took a monster gamble um, just because they could, and it, all, it worked out for them. And so he, he ended up in – in sixth place, I think it was not looking as good as Fiat, but that's not the reality. And the and the general trend this year has been that Albon is better. Now it's too early to put Albon into Red Bull. Mm. Uh, you just you don't want to do it. You know they killed they killed more careers by promoting people, and that's what's happening. To be honest, that's a little bit of what's happening with Gasly. He was promoted too early uh, because 
know, Kriat had failed. <laughs> yeah, and also Gasly had a good season against Hartley, but I guess we yeah. don't really know if Hartley was quite. No, up but to... we but we do know that that Gasly's a good driver. It's not a question of of him not being a good driver. He was a good driver all the way up. He had he had bad years. He had a bad year in GP two, his first year. The second year, it, it all came together, and he won the championship at Canter. He had a very good year in uh, in in the Japanese Super Formula, um, and you know he's a, he's clearly a good driver, but he's got to he's got to get himself sorted out. And I think it would be it, it's right to give him a bit more time because it's not right to put you know as much as you like to see Albon driving a, a Red Bull, I don't think it's right for him. It's too early. He needs to, to get hardened up a bit. Get not hardened up, but get. Um, ready to be in a top team have you in your 31 years in the paddock joe 31 years it's a long yeah, time something, that's, something like that that's no. so, joe that's so many years it's, it's a while yeah have you ever in those so many years nearly as many years as i've been alive known a driver that was happy being a number two that was like yeah i'll take the money i'll be the number two i'll let the other guy yeah, pass. i'll be your wingman of course really? i have yeah been several of them uh, Eddie Irvine, R- Rubens Barrichello, R- Kehard Berger was a number two driver, to be honest. Yeah, were they I mean, happy about it? Ca- were they kind of like, yeah, I know I'm the number two? No, no, you reach a point where you accept that you know, if you go up against Ayrton Senna or Michael Schumacher or, or mm. whoever, you realise, ah, actually, no, this is a bloke I really can't beat. And so your your thought process at that point is, well, in that case, I'll just be as good as I can and get as much money as I can and live happily ever afterwards. And sometimes the second drivers earn more money in the course of their careers because there are fewer of them than the alpha males, if you like. So they are in more in demand. So Raikkonen, um, perhaps, was happy to well, occasionally Raikkonen, go that way. Yeah, but yeah. basically Raikkonen accepted that uh, when he came back after his rallying misadventures. Um mm. You know that, that that was a good place to be, and he won races with Lotus to sort of you know put himself back on the grid, if you like, in terms of the thought process. But he hasn't really been, and maybe he's better this year. It's hard to tell. But you know, any driver who goes up and down in terms of performance based on their situation is always a bit suspect, anyway. I, I just wondered, you know, is there a scenario where you might go, okay, Valtteri, you've uh, you've lost your your seat at Mercedes. Uh, we really don't want to upset the apple cart with Verstappen. You come in here. It's a good chunk of money. You'll have a great lifestyle, uh, but you know you will get ordered to move out of his way. You will do. You will stay out and extend your. No, but stop. that's not how they do it. No, it's, that's not how they do it. They trick him. Uh, they say, and, yeah, and, and Kimmy is 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 in October. Kimmy will be forty years old. I was saying Valtteri, but yeah. Oh, so well, yeah. Valtteri, Valtteri, he can go on doing what he's doing. But what happens if if Lewis Hamilton gets a lurgy? And can't go to a race, you know. You need to have, and also, what happens when Lewis retires? And Lewis is not—he's no spring chicken anymore. He's got thirty-four. Uh, yeah. Yes, but he's got uh, this year is going to be probably his sixth title. That means the end of twenty twenty, he can match Michael Schumacher's seventh title. Now, he could quit at the end of twenty twenty with seven titles because he will have more Grand Prix wins than Michael um, because he's got eighty-one now and Michael got ninety-one. So. Um, but I don't see that really being an issue with Lewis because the other thing is there are more races, therefore it's easier to get championship wins. So I think Lewis would want to be, you know, just make the point and have eight wins before he retires. Yeah. So I see him going on into 2021. I don't see him quitting soon. But having said that, you want somebody else 
to be there and to be absolutely up to speed. One, to keep him from getting lazy. Not that he will necessarily, but all drivers get a bit lazy if they have it too easy. Um, and the other one is uh, to make sure that in, in, a, in an emergency, you've got someone to step in because you don't want to have to be, you know, we've seen people like Luca Badua. Um, well, and Irvine when he had to step in as well, I guess. they. Did. Well, Irvine, you can, yes, Irvine was not capable of winning the world championship. I remember that morning of the race when he was in the championship fight. And you knew, you knew that morning he wasn't going to do it because he was completely psyched out. He wasn't meant to be your world champion. Now, he might not like to hear that, but I think actually he's quite an honest bloke and might well accept that these days. Drivers mellow as they retire and get older, you know. So new people to the live stream, I've got to ask you, there's loads of people saying, is that a Bernie doll? <laughs> is that, is, that is a Bernie doll, yes. And not a voodoo doll. That is like a doll of admiration. Would you like to have a look? Go on, come on, let's get the get your voodoo doll out for the chat room, Joe. That's a Nicky Lauder hat. There we go. <laughs> that is a trophy for membership of the Formula One Hall of Fame, would you believe? Yeah, I've got two of those. Yeah, of course. And this is the Bernie doll, which is a puppet, a glove puppet. Oh, it's a puppet. Okay. <laughs> Hello, hello, my name's Eccleston. There you go, and that's Bernie waving at us. And you can buy them, or you could buy them for a while in Japan. He's got a little pass too, with the old F1 logo on it. So, um, yeah, there were a few of those available in the paddock. Don't Google, don't Google this while driving. Wait until it's safe and legal to do yeah, so. I don't know. I mean, there are probably some of them on the market somewhere. I don't think there are very many of them because they were sold in the paddock at Suzuka. That was it. The more relevant question that I saw scroll by in this incredibly busy chat room uh, was about Bottas's backup. Apologies. I forgot who sent it. But Bottas apparently mentioned that he would get a backup. He had a backup in mind. But, but surely the fact that they've said they're going to make a decision in the summer. They can't not then announce it because every single question will be, Bottas, how much have you heard about your future? Logically, the minute you make the decision, you announce it. That's the logical thing to do. There's no reason not to do it. Um, But what happens is until these announcements are made, everybody's doing plan A, plan B. So that's why the silly season is so silly because you hear so many different (laughs) rumours coming in because you're you're hearing rumours about plan B and C, which may never happen. So uh, I think if Botas has an option, it would be probably Renault or there would, mm. might be an option at Haas, for example. But I don't see anything other than that, one of those two. Uh, Hulk, has, Hulk is out of contract at the end of the year, um, but there is a slight mismatch going on at Renault because Daniel, Danny Rick is paid 20 mil and Danny Rick's paid five. And the performance is not that – sorry, Nico Hulkenberg's paid five. And there's not that much difference in terms of performance. So Nico Hulkenberg quite rightly is saying, well, how come I'm not worth that money? And Renault is saying, because we haven't got it, we can't afford it. And he's saying, well, give me some more. And they're saying no. And the problem also for the Hulk is if he leaves that situation, annoying though it may be, he's not going to get that same kind of money. Because in in Formula One terms nowadays, um, that's overpaid, um, really, because the money's not, unless you're Vettel or uh, Verstappen or Hamilton, you're not worth that much these days it's only the big guys who are worth the big bucks st in the chat room says oh no poor nico only paid five million how does he get by well you'd be amazed how much these guys can spend you know when you have a lifestyle monte carlo private jets all this kind of stuff it goes pretty quickly so you have to um don't have to tell me joe this is a pretty big shed uh people's expectations uh get bigger than their their wallet sometimes does, does is there a is there a, a contractual mechanism 
for Ricciardo to leave Renault because I I don't think he can't be happy with his I, choice. I doubt it. I doubt it. But he's uh, yes, he's not happy. Hang on, you know he's he's earning twenty million a year, and there's no expectation because the team can be blamed for it. So you know, he's pushing hard. There's no question about it. He's still pushing hard, and he seems to be enjoying himself. So you know. It takes it also takes time to settle into a new team. It's easy to say just leap about between the teams, but it takes time to settle in um, and you know to learn all the people. And that was one thing Charles Leclerc has been saying a lot of recently. He said, "You know, I, I'm learning everybody, what they do, who they all are, you know, learning learning who I'm working with." Because there are so many people involved in Formula One these days, and the longer. Uh, look at Lewis, you know, he knows everybody at Mercedes and everyone knows him and it all fits together nicely. Um, but we'll have to see what they do. Uh, whatever they do, I think that Toto will want to make sure that Botas just doesn't drop like a stone. I'm sure that Toto will help him find something else um, if they do choose Esteban and, and vice versa. If it's the other way around, I think that Toto will let Esteban go so he can join Renault, which will be au revoir and Monsieur Elkenberger. Should we, should we make a bet? Well, which way do we think it's going then? Bottas decision. I, don't, I have no idea which way it's going. I think he's gone. I think he's gone. The way Toto is speaking, I think he's gone. Yes, I got the impression that Toto wasn't... Like, or I think Toto was hedging his bets. And you could read it both ways if you wanted to. But I think a lot of people read it the way they wanted to, which is let's have Esteban in there because Esteban's maybe a bit more exciting than Valtteri. I don't know. But... Um, I know that Esteban doesn't know. I took a picture of Esteban on the grid yesterday, looking at Lewis's car, just pondering, and, and you know, and I, the, the caption read something like Esteban um, uh, ponders his future. <laughs> I don't know. So I, <laughs> I kind of think it'll happen. But uh, you see, the, the the thing about that is that uh, if they let him go, um, they might live to regret it. A bit like Red Bull are probably regretting letting Carlos Sainz go now. If they had Carlos Sainz on their books, they couldn't do that at the time. But if they had Carlos Sainz on their books now, they wouldn't have a problem, would they? No. Uh, Can we turn our attention to the black cards that you suggested might be a a destination for Bartas? Obviously, uh, three into two doesn't go. So, you know, what I would say... Oh, two into two doesn't go at the moment because they keep crashing into each other, don't they? I was going to say, which one of the Haas drivers would you let go to accommodate Bartas? And in what manner would you tell Grosjean that he'd been dropped? (laughs) Well, it's very simple. I'd look at the world championship (laughs) points. And then you can see very clearly that, oh, hang on a minute, there's Magnus, now where's Grosjean? And you keep going down and keep going down. And finally, you understand that if you crash into too many things, you don't score points. So I think that uh, Rogro, I mean, he's very quick. There's no question. He's a lovely bloke. He's very quick, good bloke. But fundamentally, he's just never been able to control that sort of extra bit of lunacy that gets him into trouble. And whereas Kevin is much more, less likely to do that sort of stuff, uh, Kevin is completely um, uh, uncompromising when it comes to racing, as we've seen. And so is Rogo. That's why yeah. they keep colliding with each other. But, um, you know, I think that the team really needs to to move forward. They need to have somebody else in there, I think, because, um, you know, a, a breath of fresh air to give them some new ideas, give them some new motivations. Those guys have been together and they're doing okay. But uh, clearly, they've, they've been struggling to understand the car a lot. Um, but you know, maybe it'll come. We, we've seen this weekend in in Hungary, we saw the Williams suddenly come alive. Um, now, is that going to be 
happening for the rest of the season, we don't know. But, it, they, you know, they've made some changes and apparently they made the right change because George Russell was, was actually able to do something half sensible. If the, the the change had come, if this change in form had come somewhere that was low arrow, if it had been somewhere like Monza, you might have gone, oh, well, that's because they've been forced into this low arrow uh, design. But the fact it came to Hungary, which is all squiggly bits, that's a, that's a really good sign. Yes, it is. In theory, it's a good sign. Uh, well, let's see what happens when we get them on the fast tracks. Uh, but they've got a Mercedes engine, remember? So you know, they, they, they really shouldn't be as embarrassing as they are. Uh, that will be exciting. I mean, it could be a false dawn. So, you know, like with any any fault that happens, you don't panic and start and start ripping out pieces. You you see if it, if that condition happens again. And at the moment, William's doing well. It's kind of like a fault condition. So let's see if that Yeah, persists. but they've been in the glide path downhill for several years now, so they need to change that around and turn it upward. I mean, I was watching the uh, Drive to Survive. I'm a little bit late to the party. And that w- that had the Williams talking about, you know, it had um, Paddy Lowe being disappointed that, oh, we were actually the, the slowest car on the grid in that particular event. And you go, oh, if only they looked forwards 12 months and realised they were going to be three seconds back off the grid. Uh, so I will take nearly beating Grosjean as a sign of hope. Uh, in Hungary. Uh, can we remain on Huzz just uh, just a little bit? I'm not sure if we ever got your full take on what on earth is going on there. All I know is, as somebody who runs a hilarious parody account for Rich Energy, uh, we haven't seen as much from them. It looks like it's settled down and, and Story might be a little bit out of the picture now. Well, that's exactly what happened. Story basically put the whole thing together uh, and was in control of it. I think the people he put together realised after a period of time that perhaps he wasn't the right person to do that role, and they took him out. As a result of that, he they then went um, uh, feral, I suppose the word is, uh, and then just started doing all kinds of crazy things on because he had control of the Twitter feed and things like that. <laughs> it was a fun so he ride. Was, he was announcing things that just weren't happening. And, you know, like, we're pulling out of Formula One, we're doing this, we're doing that. <clears throat> and all he was doing was basically... Uh, expressing discontent at the situation. They duly um, made all that legal and stuff, so he has been removed from that position. Uh, Rich Energy remains as the sponsor. I think we will see a change in livery uh, in terms of the logo on uh, the company name, but it's not changing its name or anything like that. I think the plan is to go ahead with the energy drink. There are some very sensible people behind it, so I understand very rich people who have an ambition to use Formula One, which is what it's for, and they'll just do it without Mr. Story, who will go off and and presumably uh, try to be um, important somewhere else. I get the impression he likes to be in the papers. That's why he grows a ridiculous beard. You don't grow ridiculous beards unless you want to you know, provide a nest for birds and things. Well, chance would be a fine thing for me, Joe. I'm not. <laughs> me too, to be honest. <laughs> um, a big I- cherubic look, you know, doesn't... Uh, I, go. I know you need to get away bang on bang on today so i'm not going to keep you for too long joe we just got a few more questions uh about rumors uh, the the junior se- series is quite fascinating uh this season and um, with the fia launching a, a podcast as well and they've got a podcast that covers uh formula two and formula three uh, everybody's kind of excited about michael schumacher for some reason in formula one people are very mick sorry mick mick, mick schumacher was he is that not short for Michael? No, it's it's Mick. Oh, is it Chris Mick. and Mick? All right, fair enough. Sorry, my dad was a Mick 
that was a Michael. So, uh, he came Mick, from across the water, did he? <laughs> I, I don't know why everyone called him Mick. That was weird. But anyway, uh, is there any sign of him imminently moving to F1? It seems like commercially and legacy Well, if you ask a German journalist, the answer is yes. And if you look at it in a clear and sensible, logical fashion, the answer is no. Because he won a sprint race. The grid is reversed. He finished eighth in the first one at the Hungaro ring where overtaking is really hard. So they put him on pole and guess what? Gee whiz, he won. So that doesn't make him a genius. That, that doesn't make him the best driver out there. And if you look at the numbers this year, which I have recently, in fact, this morning, uh, Antoine Hubert, who nobody's ever heard of, the Frenchman in his first year, has won two sprint races, which means that he's obviously better than Schumacher, right. although nobody's heard of him. And he's done it in an Arden. Uh, as opposed to Schumacher, he's done it in a Prema. So, you know, there are lots of things that indicate that this is an, it's a good result for, for a young guy, but it's not, you know. And the other thing is that the people he's up against are all old lags, to be quite honest. You know, you have Latifi, who's in his four, four and a half years he's been in the level championship. You've got Nick De Vries, it's his third year. Aitken, it's his second year. And then you have Giotto and Matsushita. They're both in their fourth years. So these guys are all, you know, they've all been around a lot. So they should be pretty good at it. And if the new boys are any good, they should be beating them. So you know, if you look what happened last year, uh, was it last year? No, it was, uh, we had, yeah, Lando and, and Russell and, and uh, Albon. And they were all rookies and all doing well. Or not, no, they weren't all rookies. That's not true. But um, two of them were rookies. Albon was in his second year, but his first year had been a bad year because he smashed his shoulder up and things like that. So <clears throat> there are, um, you know, I just don't think this is a classic year of Formula 2. Okay. Uh, I, I feel both sorry and obviously incredibly jealous of the prodigy of Formula 1 drivers. Because in a way, you know, the jealousy comes in that they have a lot of doors open for them, a lot of opportunities generally are rich. However, ultimately, they come from a much smaller selection pool because they were more likely, you know, from birth rather than than skill to progress through certain ranks, whereas someone like Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel had to fight through more categories. So, like, the evolution, the survival of the fittest is stronger for them. But we love a story, don't we? We love the story of the generational drivers coming through, but rarely are they of that that same level. If you look at Esteban Ocon and, and Pierre Gasly too, to be fair, um, I mean, Lando comes from a wealthy background. George isn't poor. Alexander Albon's had a lot of struggles along the way. But uh, Leclerc's very sort of middle class, not not hugely wealthy. But Esteban, his story is fantastic. Is it? You know, Oh, yeah. I mean, the family sold absolutely everything, including their house, and they lived in a caravan for a long time um, for him to make it. And he told me this great story. I'm sure I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but when he first came to Formula One with Manor, whatever year it was, uh, he arrived at Spa, and I went to see him, and uh, and I interviewed him, and I said to him at one point, why are you so happy? I mean, I know it's, you know, but you're, you're super happy. Everyone's happy in their first Grand Prix. But you're super, super happy. And he said, well, a year ago, I was filling in a form to work at McDonald's. <laughs> and and he said, I had no skills. I had no drive. I had no money. I had nothing. And that was all I could think of doing. And, you know, for every success story, there are hundreds of failure stories as well. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there who, who bet everything on the horse and the horse left them behind. 
Uh, in this particular case, when the horse takes you with them, it's great to see. And that's why, you know, and, and those three together too, um, Gasly, Leclerc and Ocon, I mean, they grew up together. They've, they've known each other since they were nine or 10, whatever. Um, and they all, you know, they, we, we, we don't sort of classify them as mates necessarily. Uh, in fact, Leclerc and Gasly are, and, and Gasly and Ocon used to be back in the old days before they fell out once. But they're all still quite matey. And they used to say when they were kids, if one of us could make it before, one would be really cool. And Gasly said, it's really, really, really cool that all three of us are here now. You know, so yeah. um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great to see that kind of stuff and those kind of stories. But, you know, a lot has to go right. But the good news is that, and it's, this is throughout the history of motor racing, almost always the the poor people were faster than the rich people. You know, you occasionally had a fast rich yeah. one, but the others just had access to better machinery. So very often mechanics uh, in the 20s even, they'd come through and someone would fund them and give them the money to do something. And that's where you got the great characters and great heroes from. Um but, you know, the rich, the baron this and the earl yeah. that, they did all right, you know, but yeah. um, they yeah. weren't they weren't earth-shatteringly quick. I just have to head off some YouTube comments. People are pointing out, well, Max Verstappen's not all that bad. Yes, 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 of course, there's uh, some exceptions. The exception that proves the rule. Magnussen's not bad either. And yeah. you can say the same about Damon Hill and Jill Villeneuve, sorry, Jacques Villeneuve. And you can say the same also about Nico Rosberg, although not many people would. Um and so, yes, there's always those cases, but in general terms, um, you, you find that the second generations, third generation are rarely as good because they're not as motivated. Mm. You know, they are, they are rich kids who grow up in comfortable situations and they don't have that drive and hunger. That, and that's true of, of billionaires' kids as well. They rarely have the same kind of hunger and drive as poor kids. Well, I'd love to find out. Well, it's a bit late now. It is late, isn't it? I can't go back in time and have billionaire parents. Uh, Joe Saywood, uh, Grand Prix Plus magazine, uh, Joe Blogs F1. Uh, you've got your, your newsletter that, oh, should I, I shouldn't really plug that because I think I, sh- I deserve a, at least a 50% discount for your industry newsletter. Oh, dear me. You're going you're to try and wear me down, aren't I you? I am going to try and wear you down, Joe. Uh, but if you want to get the real inside scoop, well, how do you, how do you find that? How do you search for your newsletter? Why do you just do that uh, flat out publishing? Thing? Flat out publishing. It's called JSBM, which means Joe Saywood's Business of Motorsport. There you go. And it's about all motorsport, not just about Formula. It tends to specialise in Formula One, but I've been, I, I often write about uh, rallying. I write about NASCAR, IndyCar. Really? Um, oh yes. What, yes, what, yes what, what other series? It's very good. It's very very good to see, keep up to pace hmm. with everything. What, what other series are you mostly into apart from F one? Uh, I didn't say I was necessarily into them. I keep an eye on them. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, ca- I cover the, the most important ones. So working downwards from the top, I would say that that's Formula One, followed by NASCAR, followed by IndyCar. You forgot Where- to say Formula E, Joe. You, you missed that out off your list. Yes, I did. I did. You're quite right. Uh, I have actually written about Extreme E of late um, and you know, working my way down, right down to touring cars, Formula Two, Formula Three sometimes, depending on what's happening. Um, and circuit news too, whenever there's new stuff going on in that sort of world. So it's good to keep up with everything because it helps to put things into perspective because Formula One is often a bubble where people don't look outside that bubble. Uh, and that's a bit like the Schumacher story we were just discussing. You know, Mick Schumacher's the new coming hero, but hang on a minute, what about this Antoine bloke who's done twice as better than he, twice as well as he has? You know, so if you don't look at those things, you're going you're gonna to follow the crowd. 
Sorry, never, I, I, never I, ever follow the crowd. Ah, that's the advice. Never ever follow the crowd. My mum always said to me, "If your friends jumped off a cliff, would you?" And it turned out that my friends all did jump off a cliff, and I and I followed them. So I, I'm pretty much a follower, Joe. So you you tell I'm, me. Where... I've always been taught to go against the the flow, uh, because that way uh, you're you're different. And and I would never if if I'd done what the careers advisors told me to do, I would never be a Formula One reporter, would I? So. I just set out and said, so I'm going to do it, and I did it. And that's what you have to do. You have to take risks, and you have to have a lot of belief. You also have to be able to do the job, <laughs> which is another matter. And you do. You get your Grand Prix Plus magazine out six hours after the race, complete with photos, stories, and articles well worth subscribing to. Follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Saywood. You can follow this podcast. We do have non Joe shows as well. I know there's some of you only tune in for the Joe shows. Shocking, you're missing out on so much. We do a race review before your Monday morning commutes. We might be wrong, but we're first. You can subscribe to us by searching for Missed Apex Podcast on your podcatcher of choice. And you can follow me at Spanners Ready on Twitter. Until next time, guys, be brave because wounds heal, chicks dig scars. But glory, that lasts forever. This was Inside F1 with Joe and me. Happy holidays. That made it feel like it was Christmas. Yes, I know, but I'm afraid the Americans have, have polluted the word holiday now. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.